Welcome to the Nutrition Revolution. Make us your one-stop shop for all things related to nutrition. We will remove the confusion, debunk the myths, and provide you with experts and thought leaders in the nutrition industry. Here's your host, Melissa Dunnings. Hello, it is Melissa Dunnings. I am here with Miss Suzanne Carpenter today. How are you, Suzanne? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on with you, Melissa. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it greatly. I know that's we're in the midst of the coronavirus here, so time seems to be something that we have quite a bit of these days. And then yet, doesn't it feel like all of a sudden it's the end of the day in just a oh, minute? Goodness. Definitely, definitely. I have experienced that. And, and you find yourself working late or where's dinner? Miss Suzanne Carpenter has been in the nutrition industry for the last 10 years. She saw a gap in the industry and society trends with Americans and was found them confused and overwhelmed when it comes to actual weight loss and keeping it off. So she created a virtual nutrition company called Carpenter 180, whose mission is to provide affordable and simple programs that help clear up confusion. I love that. I love the clearing up confusion so that people can win and lose weight. Suzanne is a certified nutritional consultant. She's a CEO and founder of Carpenter 180, as well as the creator of SOS, Sue's on Your Shoulder, which I can't wait to hear a bit more about, and other programs that are designed to create sustainable results. And we all know sustainability is key when it comes to weight loss or fat loss. Yeah. That is the key. So first and foremost, I want to know what led you to the world of nutrition. What was your background before you became a nutritional consultant? Okay, well, let me start the story out with I had a secret that I really planned to never tell anybody. So I'm six foot two, and I joke that that means I have a different perspective on everything. And my mission in life is to raise great adults, and I am one of them. So I was born and raised in Michigan, met my husband, started teaching first grade, retired when number two was born. We have four kids now. And in 2009, we were thrown a curveball. So, you know, you're guaranteed a curveball in life. It's not if, it's when. And two things happened. I was a stay-at-home mom at that time. My husband was forecasting. That was when the auto industry tanked. And he said, you know, I'm a vice president. They're not going to need me. In about three years, we need to find something else. Stay-at-home mom. That just scared me because he was providing for our family. The other thing is I was in the hospital recovering from a full bowel obstruction. I was in the hospital about a month recovering from that. So what happens is we get me out of the hospital. We relocate from Michigan to Jackson, Mississippi. When I was in the hospital, the GI said, hey, you have to exercise every day for your health. And that's important to know that part of the story. So what ends up is we're in Jackson, Mississippi. I bump into this little nutrition company and it was direct sales. And that's where I really got that entrepreneur spirit. But what I was doing was I was fitting people to nutritional products, but I was noticing this. They were looking for a magic diet pill. Those don't exist. <laughs> so I was spending a lot of time working on the kitchen part, like pro bono, because I understood just the basics of beginning to clean up their nutrition. And I loved that. I could spend a lot of time working on teaching people about food and hours would go by. So I was discovering that was a spot. So 
I'm at a training and one of the doctors says, hey, you know what you say you would um, kids, but would you change for them? And that was a tipping point for me because I have an eating disorder. And I say that I'm a recovering disorder eater now just because I always have to watch it. But I would starve myself and try and exercise to outrun my fork. So my GI gave me a prescription. He gave an addict a prescription. And I was the ugliest voice in my head. And that was the important part. It would speak terrible things to myself every single morning in the mirror. And I thought, if I don't get me right, my girls are going to grow up and have this fractured relationship with food. And they are also going to have this negative talk track. I need to fix me to fix them. And so it was really out of my love for them, that I was willing to face the scariest thing to me, which was this eating disorder. Because I didn't know if I could it. And I had built it into this great big shame monster. It was bigger than me that I thought I was unlovable and unlikable. And if I ever said it out loud, relationships would fall away. Further from the truth, that's not at all what ended up happening. But they always say that your message is in your mess. And once I got the help that I needed. Once I really got that knowledge that I needed, I have this ability that I want to understand science. I can take it and explain it in a way that a first grader can understand it. And I began, I had like clearer vision and I began to see, I need to teach people the fundamentals of food so that they can have food peace like I do. They may not be a disordered eater, but two or three Americans are overweight. One out of three is obese. The diet industry is still getting bigger. There's gyms on every corner. People are just as confused and overwhelmed as ever. I just want to play a part in giving to others the peace that I found. And that's how I got to this place that I'm Wow. What an inspirational story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate it. Wow. It is that somewhat the way that I came into the wellness industry because I lost my father to colon cancer. And that is a, an avoidable cancer. That's a cancer that with you know, more education, I think he would have still been alive. And that's kind of become my mission, is to spread the, the information that we provide. People don't have to deal with what we went through. Losing my father at 59. Oh, young. I'm sorry for that. What comes out of that is, I know that you've probably saved some lives and it's changed family. And mm-hmm. I know that I have as well through the, through the work that we do. So sometimes you just have to go through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about Carpenter 180 and why you created it and what it is. Sure. Okay, so the name, Carpenter 180, uh, my last name's Carpenter, but Carpenters build things and we're building lifestyles. The reason for the 180 is it's a direction. It's a 180 degree turn. And what I'm looking to do is help people create a new lifestyle. And it takes one intentional decision for one intentional meal over and over again for 80 days to begin to make that turn because it takes about 66 days to make a habit. And what I want to do with Carpenter 180 is help people to create a lifestyle that they love where they look and they feel their very best. And it's not about vanity or gene size. It's truly about every 10 pounds is technically like a layer of pain that people are avoiding. And again, because weight and excess weight is linked to chronic health problems like heart disease and hypertension and inflammations and diabetes, because the weight is linked to those problems per your dad, 
I want to play a, in helping people to begin to reverse that before it's too late. And I believe the reason the weight's coming on is because of all the noise and all of the confusion. So what I sought to do with Carpenter 180 was take what I've learned in my 10 years in this space of working with people one-on-one, take their objections or their roadblocks, which often were money or time, or it was overwhelm, and break it down, simplify so that it can meet them where they are on their health because nobody is in the same spot. So I built out three different legs to the company. Two of them are really familiar. Like one of them I call babysit my plate. And it's a lot like um, just the one-on-one, I call it tutoring, you know, babysitter notes. Like I'm watching their meals. I'm helping them with what to eat for breakfast, lunch, bridge snack, and dinner. I'm helping them with the groceries. It's the restaurant snapping me pictures or the restaurant menus with help to order. It's that person that's like, look, I've got questions and I need you to help me get some answers. And they want that accountability. So that's the one. The other is the video courses for somebody who is not quite ready to work one-on-one because it's too intimidating. It's too, but they want the knowledge more just in the self-educating way. So that's just a course that comes through. The third one is the one I'm so excited about and it's called Sue's on Your Shoulder or SOS. This is a $15 a month subscription starts out with seven free days. And this is what it is. Every day they get a three to five minute soundbite, my voice coming right to their text message, push play. And I am teaching in sequence people need to know to win at losing weight, the things that they need to get right. And it's a lot like when we were in third or fourth grade and we were learning multiplication facts and you would do your threes and fours and you'd get good at them. And then next thing you know, it's in tens. And then she'd pull you back to your threes and fours and you'd reinforce. That's a lot of what I'm doing with the SOS sound bites. Because if I were to sit and give somebody an hour of nutrition, and I bet you would say the same thing, they're only going to remember one part when they get to their car. It'll be too overwhelming to remember it all. It'll leak out of there because they're not that interested and it's overwhelming. So instead, I built this SOS as bite-sized nuggets small pieces where consistency can compound and repetition can begin to create the habit. And then it also begins the know, like, and trust factor. Like, okay, this is making sense to me. about, And it begins to retrain the brain that we're looking to create a lifestyle, not a fad. We want to create a pattern of eating today that we can be doing when we're 70. We're looking for a way to get the weight off now, maintain the weight so that when you get to the end of your life, this isn't the one thing you never got right. So it's my love letter to the world to help people to understand at the basic level what protein, fat, and fiber are and how to use food to fuel your body and why, but not have it be so overwhelming that you never get started. But I think only a teacher could do it like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> your prior career has come in handy with the reinforcement. Absolutely, it has. Absolutely, it has. That is amazing. I know one thing you focus on in your practice is emotional eating. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us what emotional eating is and how to identify it if we're emotional eating? Okay. It's important to me to really dig into because when I start working with people, I say I educate to empower and empower to inspire. So educating is the, oh, that's just like the beginning stuff about understanding what a fiber carbohydrate, understanding what a protein and a fat is. Okay, that's really black and white and that's really sciencey. 
And you and I were talking about how we can give somebody a food list and be guaranteed they're going to get response. Do it. The thing is that word, if they do it, because something always seems to get in the way. And a lot of times it's the emotions because emotions lodge always. Emotions always override logic. So here is when I get into the empowering people, once they've gotten a little bit of a little bit of knowledge, maybe they're sleeping better, better energy, tummy's a little flatter, lost three to five pounds, they're starting to feel good. Now it's time to start really getting into the emotions because women on average can make it through a diet and I don't, I want a pattern of eating, but they can make it through a program for about four weeks, men about six weeks. So how do we elongate that success curve? We have to get into the triggers that are going to cause the problems. So a couple quick ways that I help people with identifying if it's emotional hunger or physical hunger. So physical hunger is when you're like sitting at your desk and you actually hear your stomach growling or you feel that like cramping that in your stomach. It's pretty cool. It's actually biology. So what's happening is you're hearing your stomach, you're hearing the organs and the muscles turning because there's no food there to buffer it. Like I was like, that's fantastic to know. So that's how you know you're actually really hungry. It's time to eat. So a lot of us, I would bet, don't get there very often. Now, emotional hunger is different. Emotional hunger is when all of a sudden you're hungry for something. Like let's say you're working on a project, you don't feel your stomach growling, you haven't heard the rumbles or anything, and all of a sudden you really want pretzels or chocolate chips, or you really want ice cream. Like all of a sudden it came out of nowhere. That's often only, oftentimes emotional hunger because your brain is looking for a way to help you find comfort from something. My bet is if we can get underneath the fact that you're hungry for peanut butter, if we can go like underneath it and ask the question of what am I really hungry for? I have to write an email I don't want to write. Was it the kids are running around the house and it's getting really spazzy in here and I'm starting to stress? Is it the bills just came in and I'm feeling anxious? Did I have a fight with somebody in a relationship issue? Was there something that you need to comfort from that triggered emotional hunger? Is it a time of day? A lot of times people will get to mid-afternoon, that three to five hour, and they blow it. Well, that's actually their brain is fatigued and it's tired and it's looking for quick energy. So your brain is saying chicken is not going to get there quick, but a bag of chips will because it'll convert so much faster. So if we can understand tired and fatigue is also a symptom, it's an emotion body's going for. There's just, if we can just get some success, buy into eating a certain way. And before you're in an emotional storm, start asking these questions underneath, we can really dig out that root so people can have long-term success. Mine was just blown because that is definitely not what I thought an emotional eater was. Like you just... I'm just baffled at this point because I mean, I thought emotional eaters were you're upset. So you're going to go and you're going to eat, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more. That's the, that's the effect. That's what happened. The cause is the emotions that are between the ears. So like somebody who's a comfort eater, they've got their comfort foods. All right. I bet if, if your listeners could come up with in their mind's eye right now, like, and my comfort foods that I really like. My hunch is one, if not all of them, are foods they ate when they were a child. Because when you were a child, you were cared for and safe and somebody was providing for you. For most people, yeah. you felt loved. 
So when you eat those comfort foods, often from a childhood time, seeking comfort, you're rewinding back to a time where you felt a different kind of security. So they're not just these cravings. They are more than likely linked to something else. Correct. Well, you know, okay. So there are just flat out cravings. I mean, if you woke up and you had been in for breakfast or donuts, you're going to be on a blood sugar roller coaster. And yeah, you're going to be flat out craving sugar. But let's say that we're actually, we're talking to the person who's really not a sugar addict anymore. Like we got past that and they're beginning to make strides, but they'll have this mentality of, okay, I ate bad or I ate good today. And I say, okay, Food is neither good nor bad. Food is just food. It's just energy. It's, that's all it is. We can't assign it an emotion like that. But the reason people like I find will go after a binge is restrict. And then there comes a point where you've restricted so far that your body's safety mechanism kicks and survival mechanism and you end up binging, feel bad. And what you're binging on could be these foods that you've associated with comfort. And it's just like a great girl. Instead, what we're looking to do is can we, instead of the idea of I'm going to have a cheat day or a cheat meal, realize, okay, we wouldn't cheat on our spouse or taxes or our husband. So we're not going to cheat on ourselves anymore either. We're going to have thoughtful indulgences. We're going to pick the foods you want, choose them, have them, and incorporate this into creating a lifestyle. So then we get away from emotionally overeating. Do you find that women are more emotional eaters than men? or is I think that it's both, to tell you the truth. Uh-huh. I think women could be more vocal about it, elicits more shame or in women. But I think that men will go to soothe as well. Just they may not feel as bad about it the next day. I don't know that for sure. But now this is what's interesting. Well, back to the emotional eating, we have this thing called this feeling spectrum. And over here in your is like, pretend like you put your hand on a stove. You couldn't keep it there. You'd have to take your hand off. It's too hot. That's extreme pain. This is extreme pleasure, like endorphins that you would get. That, again, you can't sustain. So it's the pain and the happiness spectrum. We're wired to want to move away from the pain. And so we might feel pain from any number of things, uncertainty, uh, confusion, stress, pace of life, regret, a death of a family member. We want to do anything we can to move away from that. Now, society frowns on some things that'll give us endorphins that we could do, like overspending, speeding, gambling, stealing, drugs, alcohol. Society is going to keep us from doing some of those things to get away from pain. But it is okay if your pain is this pen and it is you had a bad day at the office. It's okay to come home and overeat a carton of ice cream. Nobody's going to shame you for that. All that's happened is that food is temporary numbing from the office problem. You get to focus on the ice cream or the, the problem is the food is finite. So we have to realize this. The food is finite. There's going to come a point where at the end of the Ben and Jerry's, you're at the end of the bag. What happened is the numbing will go away you're still left with the problem. But now, for women especially, you have that feeling of regret. Your stomach probably hurts. The next day, you wish you hadn't done it, and you're feeling even worse. So there's a point of that's a basic education that a lot of us never received, myself included, that if you can understand you're eating to make the problem go away when, in fact, 
but you'll still be left with the problem. That right there helps a lot of people begin to slow down overeating because they haven't actually connected the dots that the food doesn't erase the problem. There's an illusion that it does. Do you help them connect the dots and with the issue itself or you tell them maybe that you need to speak with this mental health professional or you try to really work with them through that problem and how to minimize it? Well, in the beginning, I work with them to help them begin to see, you know, what's happening. But if, if there's still the issue, then we have to go on and talk to somebody who has advanced degrees, who can do more if that's what they want to do. I can bring light to it. I can help create a new habit. I can help reinforce when you do the right choice. We can keep, but there comes a point that if they can't rectify the problem, like if there's an abusive household or addicted or something like that, we've got to move on. Do we find that positive reinforcement or creating new positive habits help in a different way? Well, I mean, help in a way that is going to lessen that burden of the problem that they have. Yeah, I think there comes a point where you realize, oh, I'm trying to solve all my problems with food and that's not getting me where I want to go. So I have to be willing to try some different strategies when I get emotional. And so there's a, there's a, okay, we have to figure out for each person, this is where the one-to-one work is so good for the accountability part. It's not so much the positive reinforcement, it's the accountability and the person to talk to. And it's identifying what's your stress trigger, what time of day is it likely to occur, what's likely to trigger it, and then what can you do different? So sounds trite to say, take a bath or go. But we legitimately have to come up with something besides being in the kitchen and being in, you have to learn that if you're trigger time seven at night and you really don't want to to be done with that bad habit, that means you're going to have to get out of the kitchen and form a new while. And it will be, but what we'll talk about is success leaves clues. So most people that I work have been successful in some other place of their life, raising a family, their career, sports a test. So if you've been successful out there, you can be here at all. But we have to learn actually to take whatever compromises you had to apply those other areas of your life. It's time to bring them into the nutrition and the weight loss, weight management category as well. How it became a sign of you're going without if you had to be exercising discipline and compromise in nutrition but it's okay to use it in other areas. So a lot of times, again, it's just pulling things that people know with common sense that are practical in other areas of their life and teaching them that it also belongs in this way as well. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. So if a person has recognized that they are in a emotional year based on this conversation, and I have definitely, although I had a conversation with you before that I didn't think I was, you mentioned, you know, changing your habits. So is that like, going on a walk or just some actionable steps that we can really, um, you know, identify those triggers and try to do something completely opposite than going to the kitchen and making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yes. I know this is hard and I know this is uncomfortable. And before I say any of these suggestions, I already feel the pushback. Like I understand the difficult suggestions that I'm making, but when you're in a place that you want change more than you want the cookie right now, these things become things you're willing to do. So it might just be a timing. In my little community, we have this thing called goal pants, G-O-A-L. 
they're the pants that are like right on point or they're a size too small. We try them on every Monday. But if somebody's really trying to move the needle and they really want to make strides, I have them put those goal pants on during their trigger time of the day because it reminds them physically what they're aiming for. them to not really want the cookie if the tight pants are on. But you have to really want that goal to be willing to actually do the thing to put the pants on. But what I have to do is teach people ways to self-assess and self-validate for themselves outside of the 20 minute hour that they get with me or the soundbite or the live. You know, like we've got to do things that can stretch throughout the person's day to create new habits that reinforce what their intentions are. So goal pants is one of the best ones. So it's, it takes identifying your trigger time of the day and putting the pants on so that you can help yourself help yourself. Another one is just it is kitchen and beginning a new practice of after dinner. I just kind of need to shut it down. My metabolism's at its lowest at nighttime. My willpower's at its lowest at nighttime. And just understanding that you want to fuel your body during the day. Those are things I talk about a lot on SOS about why that's so important. But it takes just taking that first step. It takes getting started. So it is about not leaving food on the counter. It is about turning the lights off in the kitchen and getting out. It is before your trigger time trying to decide what's something that I could do different. Is it going for a walk? Is it reading a book? Is it taking a bath? Is it brushing my teeth? Those are really boring things, but they really are very successful strategies to help you during that trigger time. Yeah. And even before that, the grocery shopping, making sure those items aren't in your house. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Step that up even just a little bit. Don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Eat lunch, eat snack, then go to the store and exercise the willpower not to bring them into the home. Exactly right. So I like to always close with a nutritional nugget. So it's the one thing that you wish you'd known or that would have made a ton of change in your life or impact in your life or something that you always tell people that really resonates with them. Do you have a nutritional nugget to share with us today? I do. And I really, really like this question because I often think, what do I want my 20-year-old self to have known if I could have not gone this lifelong eating disorder that I had? It really is to begin to focus on fiber. So at the core of what I teach people is on their plate to put protein, a fat, and a fiber because basically it cuts off all your hungry hormones and balances your blood sugar. It's just help you feel better. So we plate our food, protein, fat, and fiber. The reason I talk about fiber, calorie part two, a carbohydrate. Fiber has no calorie. Your body cannot digest it, but your body will burn calories trying to digest it. The fiber will act like a spoon and a broom, and it'll soak up and sweep out calories, fats, and toxins that you don't. So in the beginning, the first week, I tell people, just shoot to get your fiber up to 24 grams a day. Malabsorb about 90 calories by increasing your fiber. Over the course of the year, studies show that that can lead to a 10-pound weight loss just by upping the fiber. So the fiber will metabolism, the protein will protect and preserve your lean muscle so that your body has a storage tank for carbs. And then the fat helps with decadence and slowing gastric emptying, just all around those three things together make you feel full and satisfied. The fiber will swell with water. Stomach swells, it tells your brain you're full. So that way you can have weight loss without hunger because the fiber carries so much bulk. And you find the fiber in a lot of places like your legumes, your whole grains, fruits and vegetables. And those are resources that I give, again, in 
the free SOS seven days. The health benefits to a high fiber diets in terms of balancing blood sugar, colesterol, reducing inflammation, reducing colon cancer and breast cancer, the health benefits of getting Americans back up to a high fiber diet are tremendous. But in terms of weight management and weight loss, fiber took replaced my over-exercising addiction. It helped me to begin to use fuel and fuel my body. And the fiber is basically my cardio anymore. I do cardio for cardiovascular health, but the fiber just causes my body to burn calories throughout the day. And I feel full and satisfied. I wished I really understood the advantage of that really unfancy nutrient in my diet at a far younger age. That was amazing nugget. I'm sure that will impact a ton of listeners' lives just by that one little unsexy um, (laughs) (laughs) bit of information. So um, where can our listeners find you? Sure. So everything is at Carpenter 180. So it's Carpenter O-N-E-8-0. That's Instagram and Facebook and the website. Instagram's a lot of fun to me. People can follow along and watch my stories. And every day I just highlight at least one part of my day of something that I'm eating. Just so you can see kind of like a role model of how easy it is to do and get ideas and tips and tricks. And then, like I said, at the website, www.carpenter180.com is where they can get the seven free days of SOS and just some of my resources. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. I love getting to have this conversation with you. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Nutrition Revolution. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode. Visit our website at nutritionrevolutionwithmd.com for our show notes and to access resources we discussed in this episode. Remember to download and subscribe to The Nutrition Revolution. Until next week, Live a healthy and happy life.